I want to welcome you this morning. If you're visiting with us for the first time, we're certainly glad that you are here on a cold and rainy day. And uh, appreciate you taking time to come out and be a part of our services. I uh, would ask that you please uh, get a visitor pack, and there's information inside for you. And if you wouldn't mind, fill that out. Drop that in the uh, plate. Or if, you, it's, if you'd like, you can just set it on a table on your way out. That would be great as well. So just fill out that information, and that way we're able to make contact with you, follow up. And, of course, if there's any questions you have, we'll be more than happy to answer those. Uh, so please see me on your way out. And uh, we're just thankful you're here today as a guest with us. also want to uh, thank those who are watching via the Internet, Roku channel, uh, as well as our own live Facebook feed. Uh, we're probably seeing an increase, hopefully, in numbers today. A lot of the state and uh, north of us are in inclement weather, and a lot of services have been canceled. And so uh, we welcome you as well, who are watching us uh, via those uh, media devices. Um, you probably noticed this morning, and I don't want to make mention, and I, I hate that my brother's not here, but uh, uh, this is Mary Margaret's piano that sat in her house. And many of you know Miss Mary Margaret went to be with the Lord. Uh, I guess it's been a couple of years. It's been a, yeah. But uh, I know that uh, it's a blessing to be here, and, and I know that's what she would have wanted. It's being played, and this is where she played for many years faithfully. And so it's just really neat to, to have this up here. And uh, we thank uh, the Harrison family, Mr. Holton, for uh, donating this baby grand piano to be played. And uh, so we're uh, going to get some use out of it between uh, our accomplished piano players that we have here. And so that's a, it's a good thing. It was also nice to see, I don't know if you recognize, we had a new band member this morning. Yeah, Mark Stevens. Yeah, he's up here in the corner hiding from us, but he was playing. <laughs> And look, there's an open invite to any of you others who play the instrument. You know, you play an instrument, just see Miss Danielle. We'll, we'll, we'll get you in there. We'll, we'll find a way. Um, so, you know, the only thing I play is my nose. I blow it and I pick it. But, you know, I'll try not to do either here this morning. You know, uh, we do have, uh, as I mentioned a while ago, we have some folks tuning in watching. And uh, a little shout out to, to one of my pastor friends, the Stugelmeyer family. If they're watching, we uh, welcome you. Uh, and, and so I kind of want to start this because I know Brother Stugelmeyer as a pastor like myself and he travels around, he's, he's filling pulpits now, uh, he's got an evangelism ministry, he's going into churches and preaching a lot and so I'm sure he could relate to this little illustration. We go in a lot of churches sometimes, I never know when I go into a church kind of you know, what to expect. Now I know what to expect here with you guys um, and so this probably doesn't fit us, <laughs> but... Some places, I'm just saying, some places, you never know where you're going to end up. And so, kind of a little litmus test. You, you, you know if you're in a redneck church, if I can say it that way, you might be in a redneck church if the finance committee refuses to provide funds for the purchase of a chandelier because none of the members know how to play one. You might be in a redneck church... I know, some of you will get that on the drive home. <laughs> oh, that's what he meant. Um, you might be in a redneck church if people ask when they learn that Jesus fed the 5,000 whether the two fish were bass or catfish and what bait did they use to catch them. You know, that's where they spend all that time in the Bible study at the redneck church. Okay. You might be in a redneck church if a member of the church requests to be buried in his four-wheel drive truck because it ain't ever been in a hole it couldn't get out of. 
Some of y'all driving big trucks. You up for that challenge, right? Okay. You might be in a redneck church if the choir is known as the OK Corral. <laughs> you might be in a redneck church if you're in a congregation of 500 members and there are only seven different last names in the church directory. <laughs> Which you may be in West Virginia too. I'm just, sorry, I, I love you West Virginia folk. I know there's too many of them here. That's right. <laughs> yeah, at least that family tree forks, right? Okay. Um, <laughs> that's terrible, isn't it? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You might be in a redneck church if people think rapture is what happens when you lift something too heavy. <laughs> you might be in a redneck church instead of a bell, you're called to service by a duck call. <laughs> You might be in a redneck church if the communion wine is Boone's Farm, tickled pink. <laughs> no, no, that's terrible. You might be in a redneck church if uh, thou shalt not covet applies to hunting dogs too. You might be in a redneck church if the final words of the benediction are, y'all come back now, you hear? <laughs> and my last one, and I promise I'm done with this part of the service. <laughs> Um, you might be in a redneck church when the pastor says, I'd like to ask Bubba to help take up the offering. And five guys and two women stand up. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, I'm sure the Stugelmeyers have been in churches like that, and I think I have too. Um, but not here, CBC. So anyways, take your Bibles if you would this morning. We're going to go to uh, Psalm 19. Psalm 19. And as you're turning there, I want to ask you, you guys were given a homework assignment last week here at church. And uh, I'm going to take this yellow microphone right here, Carver. And if you wouldn't mind, power this on for me. And I'm going to ask Pastor Nate, or if you would pass that off to Pastor Nate. Thank you, I got one right there, bro. Thank you, sir. You're, you're, think, you're thinking I'm going to have a dry right. sermon. I see what it is. I got you. Oh, you just passed him. Yeah, like two ships in the night. If you'll let him hold that mic right there. Yeah, that mic right there. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so last week, those of you who remember, I want to see a show of hands. How many of you last week took five cards, the True Life cards? Raise your hand if you took some. Nice and high. Don't be shy. Okay, put them back down. Now, how many of you gave out your cards this week? Raise your hand. Okay, all right. Some of you, some of you did. Okay, listen, I'm going to extend your homework assignment. We need to give these out. All right, I want you to take these and give these out. For those of you who weren't here last week, uh, this is a, a new thing we're launching. Once a month, we're going to do this. Once a month, I'm going to bring a, uh, a, a gospel message. I'm going to preach the Great Commission and, and encourage us all to go out and share the good news of Christ. But we've made it easy for you. These cards here says, Community Baptist Church, you are invited. And on the back is the truelife.org website. This website, as you know, provides free video answers to life's hard questions. Everybody's got questions. And so maybe you don't have all the answers. We know where to find the answers. And so this makes it real easy for you to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You may not get into a full 30-minute conversation, but I can assure you if they're interested, they're going to go home, they pull it up, 
and they're going to see something. God will use this because His Word will not return void. So, just for a few moments here, I want to maybe opportunity for you, some of you who did give out these cards this past week to share a testimony. Maybe how God used it, an opportunity He gave you. All right, we got one here in the back. Dr. Carver. <laughs> All right, um, one of the things I did, I, I got rid of two cards at one time. Um, you get through your, your week and you're talking to someone, and I, this person I've been witnessing to for a long time, and one of the things is when they have a problem, they seem to seek me out. So they came to me, they said, hey, I got a friend that's having them some problems, and I was just wondering if there was a way we could get together, that kind of thing. I said, well, hey, I got a great idea. And I gave them two cards. Excellent. And I said, just give them one of these. So one of the, one of the things I started coming up with is, is going up, and when you're talking to someone, just say, do you know somebody needs some help? Because everybody's got someone that's talking to them. You can give out multiple cards, then use the people you're witnessing to, who you're giving the cards, to give out more cards. <laughs> because they're seeing this as an answer to something. And so it's just a matter of engaging creativity and putting this thing together and getting these things out there. Um, that did not come back unreturned. Uh, had a conversation with them, I think it was on Saturday or Friday, or maybe Thursday, I can't even remember. But what they're doing is they're trying to get a whole bunch of people together to ha that have all these different issues and things going on and start making a Bible study that concentrates on problems in life for these people that have little addiction problems, this sort of thing. So even a person I'm witnessing to is coming out to find a way to use this to witness. And so just creativity. Amen. And, and I've spoken with the Carvers about that. They reached out this week. And so basically what we're going to try and do is the folks that they were witnessing to that have questions, uh, we're going to try and meet with them and just sit down in sort of a, a, a non-confrontational way and, 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 and neutral ground at their home and try to provide some answers to questions that they've struggled with growing up uh, in Christian circles, growing up in the Southeast Bible Belt. You know, they've heard it, but they've never really had anybody give them satisfactory answers. So there's an opportunity already that's come about this week because of this um, evangelism tool. Somebody else? A little testimony, okay? Brother Mark? So I spent some time this week at the hospital uh, with my dad, and uh, we were in, I walked into the room, mom and dad were in there, and the nurse was there, and we were talking and uh, ended up giving the nurse uh, one of the cards, and um, where's Miss Anne-Marie, ended up being um, AJ's girlfriend. So AJ Smith's girlfriend ended up being my dad's uh, nurse for part of the time, and so anyway, that was, that was interesting. So it's kind of interesting, some of the connections. Another card that I ha handed out uh, this week, I handed it to the, to the lady, and she said, oh, I've been there before. Mm. And I said, really? She said, yeah, I know um, the Cranes. Huh. So anyway, so I even with some of the ones that I've handed out, there has already been a previous connection. So hopefully this will um, you know, cause some of these people maybe to come back. Amen. We never know, guys, in, in, the, in the harvest field, we're entering into whether we're sowing that seed or whether we're coming along to water that seed. We trust God for the increase. And, and again, for those of you who don't know, we, we continue to pray for Miss Anne Marie's boys. And who knows? Here's, a, here's another example of God's faithfulness to those prayers. 
in, in putting this young lady in their path. And, and so, again, praise God for those opportunities. Thank you, Mark, for sharing that. Somebody else, another, another testimony. Right here? Okay. You all know me, and, and you know that I'm not very outgoing, but um, I did pass out two of the cards this week. Um, so I'd just like to encourage everyone to uh, pass them out. Amen. Thank you, Miss Patricia. Because, again, guys, you, you don't have to be outgoing. You, you don't have to be somebody who can just strike up a conversation with a stranger. You do need to be able to reach in your pocket and extend an arm. <laughs> okay? Uh, if you don't have arms, then you just have to find another way to do it. But there is a way to do it, I'm sure. Um, but, yeah, share it. Share the word. And this is a simple opportunity, simple tool. Thank you, Patricia. Somebody else? Anybody else? Another opportunity somebody had this week with these cards. Hold, hold one second, Miss Bobby. It's going out live and they won't hear you. They'll think I was staring off in space. But anyway, go ahead. He has given out three, and the reason I have is because he beat me to it. Yes, ma'am. We were thinking, and, and we have, he has given out three. So since he's not here, I'll tell you. Amen. Thank you, Miss Bobby. That's good. And that's kind of the way it is in our house. It's like all six of us are clamoring to get the card out first. And I'll share this brief testimony. Karis this week, she was the quick draw McGraw. She was able to get the card out first, and we gave it to the young lady at the drive through at uh, those Golden Arch places. And um, she, it was very interesting because there, and also when I gave out at Food Line, and I was sharing this with some of the men, twice almost the same response was given. I found that very interesting. Of the five cards I gave out this week, two of them had the, almost the same response. They looked at it, and they said, I've got some questions. I've got some serious questions. Thank you. And it was just strange that both of them acknowledged openly, very transparent in that moment, that they were struggling with something. I don't know what it is. Holy Spirit knows what it is. And so... Uh, we were encouraged uh, just knowing again that we're just being faithful, guys. You are sent. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, every one of you that is a believer, born-again believer, you have been given a mission. And it's not optional. It's not one of these, well, I, I don't really want to share my faith. You know what? That's not up to you. That's, that's not optional. God has called you he has enlisted you and you have a commission you have a mission you have a purpose and that is to share the good news of jesus christ so continue to do that you can pick these up on the table out back uh, as you're heading out and let's make sure if you haven't given out your five go ahead and give out your five we'll uh, look at this in uh, february and we'll uh, launch again and ask for another commitment and trust that you will keep your commitment and spread the good news of Jesus Christ. So thank you for doing that, and uh, just encourage you to continue to do that. So we're in Psalm 19 this morning, and we're going to be talking about the glory of God. The glory of God. And so, for those of you who are note-takers, you'll be happy to know that Pastor actually has an outline today, and uh, feel free to write it down. I don't know how far we'll get today in this study. We'll go as far as we can, and we may stop. Uh, we may finish it out. We'll see what the Lord has in store. But we're in Psalm 19. And um, so I want you to think about this. Psalm 19, here's your outline this morning. God's world, 
verses 1 through 6, which speaks of a general revelation. Then we're going to be looking at God's Word, verses 7 through 11, which speaks of special revelation. And then we're going to be looking at God's work, verses 12 through 14, and that is man's response. And so this is uh, what we're looking at this morning. This is what we're going to try to unpack as we go to the Word of God. I trust that you have the Word of God there in front of you. If you don't, there should be one, those red books there on the pew in front of you. Uh, feel free to grab one of those. You'll find it a lot easier to follow along in the Word of God and uh, process what's being shared this morning with the copy of the Word of God in your hand. So with that said, C.S. Lewis wrote in regards to Psalm 19... He said, I take this, Psalm 19, to be the greatest poem in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. And many of you know C.S. Lewis, very influential uh, in the Christian faith. And uh, that's what he had to say about this psalm. Some have declared this as the uh, Psalm 119, miniature version. It's its mini-me, if you would. But anyway. Let's take a look first here at God's world. Let's take a look in the Scriptures, and if you would, follow along as we read the first six verses of this passage. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where, the voice, where, their, where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven, and its circuit to the other end. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning as we look into your word that your word would speak. I pray that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher this morning and I would simply be a vessel for your honor, for your glory. And so Lord, meet with us, teach us, encourage us, strengthen us. And if there be anyone here today that does not know you through your son, Jesus Christ, I pray you will draw them to repentance and faith and a God who loves them and has demonstrated that love at Calvary through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And to Him be glory. In His name we pray. Amen. You know, we talk about around here a lot through apologetic arguments. And one of the apologetic arguments that we've discussed here many times each year and throughout is the thing known as the cosmological argument. I know that's a fancy $2 word, the cosmological argument. What does that mean? A lot of times you will hear people talk about the cosmological argument. It begins like this. It says, everything that had a beginning had a cause. That's a real brain buster, isn't it? Think about it. Everything that had a beginning had a cause. Something had to cause it. Nothing never came from nothing. No, nothing ever will. Or never will. Probably more proper English, I guess. 
didn't do real good in that class anyway. Nothing never came from nothing. Nothing never will. Everything that had a beginning had a cause. The universe had a beginning. I mean, you can talk to an atheist, you can talk to an unbeliever, you can talk to an agnostic, you can talk to anyone, and everybody knows, they should know, though some will try to argue with that the universe is, doesn't have a cause, but their head's in the sand. We can talk about that another day. But the universe had a beginning. So, to use logic, everything that had a beginning had a cause. The universe had a beginning. Therefore, the universe had a cause. I love what Ray Comfort says. He often shares when he's witnessing with others, he'll say, look at this painting. Look at this beautiful painting. And you can take any, any painting you want, whether it's beautiful or not. If you look at a painting, you automatically know to see a painting had to have a painter. An explosion didn't just happen in a factory and all of a sudden you get this Picasso painting. No, Picasso painted the painting. And when we look out at creation, we know there is a creator. And Psalm 19 opens up because it's important for us to note that when we look at the beauty of creation, we don't just say, wow, some big explosion, bang, and you get the, the beauty that surrounds us, the vastness, the uniqueness. When we think through creation, when we think about things that even now science is discovering in regards to our DNA and, and looking at how this is a display of intelligent design. This is not some random act of chaos that produces more random acts of chaos. Second law of thermodynamics. The universe is not increasing, it's dying which again is evidence that it had a start. Get in your car today. In fact, when I get in my car, I'm not going to make it too far because my light was going bing, bing, and, and making that noise on the way over, which means what? Low fuel. could mean a lot of things in my car. <laughs> but that one today meant low fuel. Get in your car and drive. Eventually, your car is going to run out of gas. There's only so much in the tank, right? Guys, in our vast universe, there's only so much in the tank which again says it had a starting point. Starting point, fill the tank up, go. Eventually it begins to run out. Second law of thermodynamics speaks to that. And so we look around at creation and we look at these things and we know things are on a decay. Look in the mirror. I don't know what your mirror is telling you, but my mirror isn't telling me I'm getting any better. <laughs> there is decay happening, right? And the universe speaks to that. But at the same time, not only does it speak to the fact that something has happened to the universe, because this wasn't God's original intent. When we study the Scriptures, we know that God in His original design was that it was created glorious and good. And something happened, and now it's marred. Now it is on decay. That's why things rust. That's why moth destroys there is results of what the Bible speaks to of a fall. And guys, there is nothing that escapes the influence of the fall. And so, it's important that we understand this. So as we come to the passage this morning that we're looking at, the psalmist, who is David, by the way, 
he begins to speak. And it's important to understand that in these first six verses that we're looking at, we see that this is known as general revelation. Now what does that mean? General revelation means this. It means that God has not left Himself without a witness in the world around us. General revelation is, I can look at creation, and no matter where I am in the world, there is a witness to the glory of God. Whether you are in the deep jungles, whether you're in the big cities, regardless of where you find yourself on this planet, there is a witness to you that there is a creator because you have the general revelation of creation. Does that make sense? And so, notice what he says. The heavens declare the glory of God. I encourage you the next time, not tonight, you may get an eye full of rain, but on a night when the stars are out in vastness, go out, take a look. You know, when I used to work on a cruise ship, one of the, my favorite places to go was up on, we called it Metal Beach. It was on the very top of the ship. And up there at certain times of the night, they would cut off all the officers' lights above uh, the, up there uh, uh, on, the, on the top deck, and they would kill those lights so that you could do stargazing. And that was one of my favorite places to go. And I'd lay back in a, in a, in a lounge chair and just stare up at the sky. And I'm telling you, you have not seen the sky like you can see it when you're out in the middle of the ocean with no lights and looking up. It's amazing the amount of stars you see. And I used to just sit there sometimes. Even as a non-believer of Jesus Christ, I could look at that and I knew there was a God. I knew that didn't come by random chance. And so he says, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows His handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Guys, God makes real clear in His Word, no matter where you are, no matter which tribe or country you're a part of, you have general revelation. God makes Himself known. He has given each man a light, a revelation to know and if man will respond to that general revelation he's been given, he will give more revelation. The problem is, we know this because we live in a fallen world. Each man's heart is marred. Each man is fallen. We are spiritually dead. And because we're spiritually dead, dead men do what dead men do. They're dead. They do nothing. And so unless something happens to intervene, unless man be made alive, spiritually speaking, he will not seek the things of God. But God's not left man alone. He has given the glorious light of general revelation. That's one way in which God screams. It says He speaks in every language. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. David Guzik said this, about these passages. He said it's glorious in its size, speaking of the firmament, speaking of the heavens and its glories. He says, 
God is glorious in His size, having created something so big. And when you look out in the vastness, when we think about what just man has been able to discover in regards to our own Milky Way and to our own galaxy and how many other billions of stars and billions of galaxies within those, within those billions of galaxies are more billions of stars. When we think of the vastness of this creation, how big is the God who created it? Think about how strong he spoke, he spoke, and it leaped into existence. And yet we, we don't really get an idea of how small we really are, how insignificant we really are, a speck of a, a, of a piece of sand on a flea's back compared to the vastness and the bigness and the glory of God in all of his amazement. He's glorious in his engineering, having created something that works together so well. Again, just looking at the DNA structure and how everything that, that we need to program us is in mama and in daddy and it comes together and that forms who you are. All of that information is already encoded. The engineering of just mankind, not to mention the universe and how everything holds in its orbit and how one degree this way or one degree that way, we're toast or we're frozen. He's glorious in his artistry, having created something so beautiful. You know, one of my goals one day, and many of you have been there, is to go see the Grand Canyon in person. I've heard many of you talk about just how, how when you stand there and you look out, you're just amazed at the glory of God's handiwork. I'd like to see Alaska in the summer, not the winter. You can keep it. But in the summer... I've heard how beautiful it is, and, and, and I've been told by some, some older folks that, Sonny, before you die, you need to see Alaska in the summer. Yes, sir, Captain. I heard it's beautiful. But guys, we can look around just in our own backyard and look at creation and take it in, and that's why God gave us that witness. That's why He gave us that general revelation that we might see it and think on it and ponder it and know that when we see the creation, we must know there is a Creator who made it. He's glorious in His artistry. He's glorious in His goodness and His kindness, having created something for all humanity to see. That's for your viewing pleasure. All audiences approved. Some practical considerations from just this first section of Scripture that we're looking at here in regards to general revelation. God has not left Himself without a witness. He's made Himself known throughout creation. The evidence for the existence of God is abundant. It's everywhere to be seen in the universe around us. Biblical scholar John Phillips comments, it is significant that the Bible makes no attempt to prove that there is a God. The fact of God's existence is self-evident and taken for granted. The person who says differently is bluntly called a fool. Hmm. You know, this is where a lot of times, even though I, I love apologetics, and, and we, we do that a lot here, and we talk about it, and we want to give you arguments uh, to defend the faith because that's what Scripture says we're to do. Always be ready to give a reason, to give a defense for the hope that's within you. But I've noticed that even within that a study, if you will, there, is, there are various branches 
whether it's philosophical, uh, scientific, or biblical. And, and I like, again, the biblical apologetic. Because I am, as some might call, maybe a presuppositionalist, which basically means this. I take God at His word. And when God says that every man has this knowledge within them, man's not born an atheist. Man has a natural revelation about him. In fact... Take your Bibles and let's go over to Romans 1.16. Again, this is why I am okay to actually take God at His word. If you go to Romans chapter 1. And let's look at verse 16 through 20. The Apostle Paul writing... He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who, note this, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. General revelation. God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made. Does that say that man understands it? It's what it says to me. It's what it says to you. That's what the author says. Being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. And I'll just stop there. What's he saying? He's saying this. He's saying, look, every man under the sun is without excuse because general revelation, general light has been shown to them. But man doesn't want anything to do with Creator God. John talks about in his gospel that Jesus came into the world. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You go on later into the passage, it says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It says that He came unto His own, but His own didn't receive Him. 
Why didn't they receive? If this is God incarnate, and it is, why did they reject Him? Why did they reject the one who gives every man light who comes into the world that sees the general revelation? And in the Jews' case, special revelation, which we'll talk about in a little while, why did they reject Him? It says, because man loves darkness rather than light. Paul just told us that every man has the knowledge to know Him through general revelation if they'll just respond to what God has given them. God in His grace is extending an offer to mankind through general revelation alone. General revelation is not enough to save someone, and we'll talk about that in a second. That's why we need special revelation. But He says man's without excuse. He said, well, that doesn't seem right, preacher. Uh, somebody over in those deep jungles never heard of the name of Jesus. What about those born in a Muslim country? What about those little kids, strike up the violins, starving in, 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 in India that don't know any better? Well, if you're that passionate about their soul, why don't you become a missionary and go take them the gospel? Because that's what God asked His church to do. That's what He asked me and you to do, believer. The Bible says that every man, though he knows what's right, he suppresses, he holds that down. Ever play with those big uh, balls in the water, like, um, uh, like a beach ball or something, you try to hold it down under the water? You know, some of you try to straddle your legs on it, and whoop, it flies up, and you fall on your face, and you get it again, you pull it back down, and whoop, it goes out the other end. Y'all are not crazy like Pastor is. Okay. Well, when I go on junior trek, that's the kind of stuff we might do. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, you can't hold it down, right? Keeps popping up. Guys, you can try to suppress the truth. And how does the Bible say you suppress the truth? How do I suppress the truth? In unrighteousness. The truth's always going to rise to the top. In fact, I talked about this last week when we talked about, uh, or the other week when we were talking about the end time. And remember in the Thessalonians passage, which parallels, goes with this, it says that when the Antichrist comes on the scene, that they're going to believe a lie. Those that did not receive the glorious light of the truth. They rejected it because man loves darkness rather than light. They reject it. They don't receive it. And it goes on and it says that they will be damned. And then it gives us the reason they'll be damned. Because they did not receive the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Guys, here at the end of the day, in the heart of every man you'll face, they know there's a God. They know a God exists. But they're doing their best to justify their lifestyle. Because just like I was before I was converted, just like you before you was converted, and even as believers... We still struggle with the pleasures of flesh, don't we? And so we try to suppress that truth with our unrighteousness. And so we see this. We see this in this passage of Scripture, in this Romans passage. We see um, this general revelation God's not left himself without a witness you know Psalm 19 and Romans 1 20 it teaches us that God's eternal power 
and divine nature are clearly seen and understood from what has been made. And there's no excuse for denying these facts. With these scriptures in mind, perhaps a working definition of general revelation would be the revelation to God, the revelation of God to all people at all times and in all places that proves God exists and that He's intelligent, powerful, and transcendent. Michael Hoodman. That's what general revelation does. What about God's Word? God's Word. Is that clock working? That clock ain't working. Somebody know what time it is? 11.55. Bless you. Who said that? Good for you. Brownie points right there. That means nothing. 11.55 means nothing. But thank you for sharing. But what about this? What about God's Word, verses 7 through 11? Let's take a look and read here and in, in back over in Psalm 19. So we've talked about the general revelation. Notice now, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is a great reward. Special revelation. Guys, God didn't leave the witness just to the natural, to the general creation around us. Because if that's all we had, we would be left undone it would be hard to know, but He's not left us undone. He has made Himself known. And the way He makes Himself known today is through the written Word of God. Special revelation. Apart from the Word of God, we would not know God. We would not understand God other than His creative properties in that sense, in the full sense, in a complete sense. And we'll look at that as we unpack this. You know, I, I want to read this quote. Uh, this is from... Uh, John MacArthur, and, and I love what he has to say here in regards to, to this passage, this portion of Scripture. When you notice here in, in verse 7, and it says, the law of the Lord is perfect. What does that mean? The law of the Lord is perfect. By the way, this word law is a word for Torah. Think about it. When David the psalmist is writing this, all they had during that time in which he's pinning this, by the way, he's pinning this as the Holy Spirit moves upon him, it's God-breathed. This is the very Word of God being carried out through the, through the hand-holding of man, if you will. But it's the Word of God. And he says the law of the Lord is perfect. That word law, again, um, is speaking to the, the Word, the, the Word of God. So listen to what MacArthur says. Well, what do you mean perfect? What do you mean by that? Well, you say, well, it's pretty obvious. It means lacking in perfection. It doesn't have any imperfection. That's true. But it's more than that. This is not perfect as opposed to imperfect. This is perfect as opposed to incomplete. 
The Word of God is perfect. It's not incomplete. The Hebrew term has the idea of all comprehensiveness. The idea is one lexicon puts it this way. It's all-sided. No matter how you come at it, it's all-sided. The Word of God is all-sided so as to cover completely all aspects of a thing. The Hebrews would use this when they were meaning to say, quote, nothing can be taken from it, nothing can be added to it. Think about it in that context, because I think we, we do an injustice today when we, when we kind of get on that little soapbox and can't add to God's Word, take away from God's Word. What it means is this, it's all-sided. When something is complete, when something's perfect, you can't improve on it. You know, when you think about, some people say, well, Jesus seems a little, seems a little egotistical because if God is God, then, then you know, that, that sort of seems self-serving, you know, all oh, glory to me. But think about that. If God is going to give you His best, by definition, God is best. So if He's going to give you His best, He has to give you Himself. That's why He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. This is God incarnate. This is His Son. God robed in flesh. He offers you the best. And if we want to have life, and we want to have life more abundantly, the only way that you and I can experience a full, complete, all-sided life is in knowing Him. Nothing can be taken from it. Nothing can be added to it. It's more importantly that it possesses everything. It is a comprehensive, flawless set of instructions, completely sufficient for men. For one end, restoring the soul. Guys, I said a while ago, we're broken. Our sin has separated us from the very presence of God. We are dead in our trespasses and sins against a holy God. We love darkness rather than light. And unless God intervenes and does something, we're in trouble. And He did intervene. Over 2,000 years ago, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to seek, to save that which was lost. And He lived, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life in every way, fulfilling the law. And He went to the cross of Calvary and He took my sin and your sin, our darkness, upon Himself. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. And He took the full wrath, the punishment, because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's what He gives us. That's what He offers us. And we can either receive that or we can reject that. We can continue to live our life in sin, suppressing the truth, and one day be damned because we love darkness rather than light, because we had pleasure and unrighteousness, because we refuse to receive the love of the grace of truth. But we're all without excuse. MacArthur goes on, he says, the Hebrew language is very concrete, it's, very kind, of, it's kind of earthy, it's unlike Greek, which tends to be philosophical. When it says simple, it is the root word, there's no here, it says, keep reading, the testimony of the Lord is sure, the second half of that verse 7, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Making wise the simple. Give me a good old farmer any day over a Ph.D., who doesn't know the Lord. Now, if you got a PhD and know the Lord, praise God for you. 
But you give me a man who knows how to plow a field and understands Jesus Christ and he understands the simple things of life. That childlike faith, that seed, the um, size of a mustard seed can move mountains. And, and, and how is that so? Because they understand wisdom. We live in a world that doesn't have common sense. It's no longer common. But a simple man who understands the things of God and spends his time meditating on the Word of God and begins to understand the principles of God and lives out his life in such a way, that is a wise man. The Hebrew term here, again, in the language is very concrete. When it says simple, think about this. This is awesome. This is a nugget, man. You better hang on to this. We're going to close with this one. When it says simple, it is the root word for an open door. A simple man by himself, in and of himself, is like an open door. A simple-minded person is a person with the door of their mind open. You hear people say, I have an open mind. And I want to say to them, close it. Close it. If you don't have the discernment what to keep out and what to keep in, that's not a positive. That's a negative. You hear people say, well, I'm an agnostic. Really? You shouldn't be proud to be an agnostic because the Latin equivalent is ignoramus. But if you don't know, you don't know. That's what an ignoramus is. If you have an open mind, close it. Would you please, before you destroy yourself, close it. But how do you know when to close it? How do you know what to let in, what to keep out? Do you understand what, what MacArthur is saying there? The Bible has a way of closing the door. It has a way to help you not be tossed to and fro with every teaching, everything that sounds good. So a person who says, well, I like to keep an open mind. Guys, that's not good. It's okay to be narrow-minded. Did you know truth, by definition, is exclusive? There's a corner on the market. Two plus two is four, and it always will be. Well, you need to be a little more open-minded, Pastor Nate. Two plus two in some countries may be five. You, know, you might want to move to that country. Maybe you'll multiply your bank account, but that's not true math. It doesn't work that way. Now, in some places, two plus two might be three. That sounds like that's more my bank account, but anyway, that's still not true either. You can be open-minded all day long, but if open-minded means letting anything in and out of the barn, you better shut the barn door. And that's what MacArthur's making the point. Close it. I mean, think about that. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people, yeah, yeah, I, I, well, I, I don't, I'm an agnostic. I don't know if you maybe should say, well, oh, so you're an ignoramus. I didn't realize that. may not be the best witnessing opportunity, but, you know, just saying. So how do you know when to close it? How do you know what to let in? What to keep out? Psalm 1 begins this way. Turn over there real fast. Psalm 1. Psalm 1 says this. Blessed is the man. Happy is the man. Joyful is the man. Who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Ooh, ungodly? Closing the door to that route. I got some ungodly influence in my life. We better shut that door. He doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, 
nor stands in the path of sinners. Hmm. My friends are influencing me, my co-workers, my pull in my life, whatever's wanting to go in the way of the sinner. I, I know this is wrong. My flesh likes it. I better close the door. I know some of y'all want to sing, love is an open door. No, it's not. It doesn't stand in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in His law, He meditates day and night. Guys, that's where we're to be. General revelation should move us to special revelation. And the Word of God has been given to you and me that we might know Him, that we might understand Him, that we might be able to move from being simple to being wise in all our ways. Because when we trust in the Lord and acknowledge Him, He will direct our path. He will give us the information, the guidance, the wisdom that we need to live a life that's abundant. To live a life that's a true life. To live a life that honors and glorifies Him. We're going to look at that in our next time together. We're going to move from the general revelation to the special revelation to what is man's response. Because it's here. We're going to explore a little bit more in regards to special revelation and why the intake of God's Word is so vital. Psalm 119, and I said this was the mini-me Psalm of 119, says, Thy word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. As a believer, this word is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. It is both the light and the path, guys. And that's why it's important that we intake it. This is why we meditate on it. This is why we chew on it throughout the week. It's not just something we do on Sunday. And that begins by knowing the Word made flesh. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me say this. He came into the world to seek and to save that which is lost. And we are all lost. We all are dead in our trespasses and sin apart from the grace of God. But the grace of God is sufficient. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. If you're here today and you do not know Christ, I encourage you to turn from your sin. We have all sinned and fall short of that glory of God. And may we, by faith alone, put our trust as children into a Father who loves us and demonstrated that love by sending His Son, Christ, to die on our behalf. Put your faith and trust alone in Jesus Christ because He is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, and I pray that today You will remind us of the importance of general revelation, 
And may we take that in. May we admire the beauty. May we explore your creation. And as we explore it in in thought, may we see you even more. May you become even more clear. Those invisible attributes, may they become known to us and that we would rejoice in that glory, that we would admire that glory, that we would behold that beauty and may it draw us to you. Because, Lord, you are alone worthy to be glorified. And Father, the special revelation that's given to us through your word, through your acts, through your miracles, through your coming, all the things that we pour over as we read the pages of history, may that too draw us. And may we apply the truths that we hear so that we heed and carry out and live out this faith. The just shall live by faith. And faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Lord, be glorified today. I pray if there's anyone watching online that you will speak to their heart, that you will encourage them, build them up, draw them near. And you said if you be lifted up, you would draw all men near. May you be glorified today in all that's been done. And Lord, if there's anyone who, who wants to know more about this relationship through Christ, your Son, I pray that they would not sit by idle, that they would respond to your prompting, your leading, and that they would meet you at the foot of the cross, surrendered. For that's where you've told us you would meet us. And I thank you for this day. May you help us to return back safe tonight to continue our study about you. In Jesus' name, amen.